Welcome back to another episode of The Iron Steed. I'm Alex Bush, and today I am going to be talking about Honda motorcycles. As a worldwide powerhouse of a company, making everything from bikes and cars to jets, boat motors, and lawnmowers, Honda is a name that is recognized by most, if not all. Today, I am going to be talking a little bit about the motorcycling history of Honda, and because we have no guest on today's episode, I will be giving some of my thoughts on the brand. So, without any further ado, let's move right in to some Honda history. The end of World War II is what led to Honda's beginnings. Japan's need for affordable transportation led Soichiro Honda to take the Army's surplus generator motors and fix them to bicycles in 1946. The bikes sold like crazy, and the supply of surplus motors simply couldn't satisfy the demand. So, Honda ended up developing the 8-type engine and putting that onto the bicycles in 1947. The Honda Motor Company was then founded and incorporated in 1948 by Soichiro Honda and his business partner Takeo Fujisawa. In 1949, Honda designed, developed, and then produced its very first official motorcycle. The Dream Type, or D-Type, featured a 98cc two-stroke motor and paved the way for Honda to become the leading motorcycle manufacturer in Japan. The D-Type was then followed in 1951 by the E-Type, or Dream E. The E-Type was revolutionary in the motorcycling world as it was the first bike to feature a four-stroke engine. And as the 50s wore on, Honda continued down its path of success. It announced its entry into the Isle of Man TT races in 1954, and finally became the largest motorcycle brand in Japan in 55. 1958 was also a big year for the company, although no one knew it at the time. This was the year that the very first Honda Super Cub was released, and since then, the Cub has become the best-selling mode of transportation of all time and the name has lived on and is still used by Honda today. The 58 model of the motorcycle moped hybrid featured a 50cc engine, and the name helped bring more people into motorcycling. One year later, Honda hit two different milestones. The company entered the Isle of Man TT races for the first time, and it also exported to America for the first time. American Honda Motor Company Incorporated was established in Los Angeles and became Honda's first overseas subsidiary. Two years after their debut in the Isle of Man races, Honda dominated, finishing first through fifth in both the 125 and 250 cc classes. Mike Halewood was the first place finisher in both classes. To help Honda in its development process, Honda Research and Development, or Honda R&D, was established as a separate sister company to Honda Motor Company in 1960. As the name might imply, this company was meant to allow for further research for the Honda Company. The early 60s also saw one of Honda's most successful advertising campaigns ever. By the end of 1962, Honda's sales in America were reaching 40,000, but they wanted more. And in order to make this happen, Honda hired Gray Advertising and put out their You Meet the Nicest People on a Honda campaign. These ads not only helped Honda increase American sales, but they also helped shift America's viewpoint towards motorcycles. Rather than see bikes as something for bad boy hooligans, Americans began to view motorcycles as everyday modes of transportation. 1962 also marked Honda's first overseas production with a factory in Belgium. And now, 
When most people think Honda, the first thing that pops into their head is their cars. And you may think that I have been avoiding the car side of Honda's history, as this is a motorcycle-oriented podcast, but that simply isn't the case. Turns out that for the first 15 years of its existence, Honda solely produced motorcycles, as the company did not start making cars until 1963 with the release of their T350 mini truck. However, this does not mean that Honda stopped innovating with its motorcycles. Towards the end of the 60s, Honda released another groundbreaking motorcycle. Unveiled in 1968 and put into production in 69, the Honda CB750 took the market by storm. Labeled by some as the first superbike, the 750 was the first mass production bike to feature a four-cylinder engine and was also the first mass production bike to feature disc brakes. By putting out an affordable, reliable, and well-performing big-bore bike, Honda also effectively killed off the British motorcycle industry with the introduction of the CB750. In 74, Honda released its very first Goldwing. As one of the most recognizable motorcycle names on the market, the Goldwing is definitely one of Honda's staple motorcycles and continues to be an industry leader when it comes to touring bikes. The first CBR900RR, or Fireblade, was introduced in 1992. It was designed by Tadao Baba and featured a 900cc inline 4 engine. It was much lighter than any other large sport bikes at the time, and the Fireblade ended up taking up the sport biking community by storm. If we fast forward to present day, Honda is still a leading manufacturer in the motorcycling industry, selling millions of motorcycles every year, from sport bikes to cruisers and even mini motos. That's going to conclude our Honda history lesson for the day, and now I'm going to jump on into some of my thoughts and opinions on the brand. Today's opinions and thoughts section is unfortunately going to be just me. Um, I couldn't find anybody to interview. I didn't really know anybody who like rides Hondas or like owns Hondas. So it's going to just be me today, going to be just my thoughts, my opinions, uh, what I think. So I'm going to start things off here with uh, some general thoughts on the brand. So general thoughts about Honda, basically. Um, I like them, just short and sweet, put simply. I like Hondas. I like the way they look. Um, I like the fact that they're very reliable, or at least from what I've heard. I like the fact that they're very reliable. Um, not going to lie. I just, I like the brand. I think they've got a lot of good stuff going for them. They've been around. They've got, uh, how do you want to say? They've got a network. Uh, oh, what's the word? Uh, I can't think of the word right now, but like they, uh, a base. They've got like a consumer base. You know, you can get parts if you really needed to. But uh, from what I've heard, you know, you can ri basically ride a Honda off its wheels and then still start up. So I like that. Um, so basically, short and sweet. Um, Put simply, I like I like Hondas. Just that's some of my thoughts. I think they've got good history. Um, I did learn that they're a lot bigger into racing than I thought, but you know, so what? I mean, if that's led them to develop like they have, and that's led them to um, become as big as they are and have the support that they do, that's you know, perfect. You know, it's not, you know, it's brought them to where they are today, almost. So I'd say I support. So. Obviously, um, if you don't know, I don't ride. I can't ride. Um, so, 
basically what I got to go off of as far as like liking motorcycles is their looks. So we're going to go off of motorcycles that Honda has is what they look like right now. So starting off, I've got Honda Power Sports up right now. I'm just going to kind of go down their list that they've got. And the very the one at the very top, the very first thing is the Goldwings, their touring bikes. Um, like we talked about a little bit in the history section, the Goldwing introduced 74. Um, definitely a staple in the Honda lineup, one of the industry standards when it comes to touring bikes, I think. Um, and if you didn't know, if you didn't listen to the last episode, I would recommend you do so. But you learn a little bit about a man named Dean Now. Definitely a big Harley dude. He's got some contraband pictures of him riding a Goldwing. So it kind of tells you how power, or not powerful, how popular these motorcycles are. So, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about looks. I think they look all right. I prefer, you know, I don't usually, but uh, in this instance, I prefer the Goldwing with the passenger back seat, you know, with the, with the seat on the back of it. They have one that doesn't, and... I think the seat's a little, just a little bit too flat, or the fact that it angles off or something, I think it looks a little funky, but uh, the one with the passenger back seat on it, the pat crest, I think actually looks alright, I really like the blue that they have on it, I think it's a really nice looking blue color. And the next set they got is the uh, adventure bikes, they've got a lot of them listed here, some of them look more like just regular dirt bikes to me, but uh, the big one here is the uh, Africa Twin, Um, I generally think that Adventure bikes look kind of funny. Um, if we look at the Harley's Pan America, got released a few years ago. I mean, I've heard it's a really good adventure bike. It just kind of looks a little funny to me. Uh, I don't know if it's the gas tank or the way the windscreen is or the, the, what it, the, the, if it's the headlight or what, but it just, it's kind of a, just, the front end is just goofy looking to me. I don't, I'm not a big fan. Um, if I just pull up a KTM ADV bike, the way they've got their headlights, it's almost like a mouth, uh, with the headlight and the fender. It's almost like a jaw. It looks just weird. And I pulled up a Kawasaki and it looks kind of similar to the, it almost looks like an eight or the Africa twin, but still different. Some of these I'm looking, they've got like a flatter seat or something, but, uh, I think, I think Honda did a really nice job with the looks on the Africa Twin. Um, it's one of my favorite looking ADV bikes. And I've heard it's just a good ADV bike in general, not even looks-wise. I think it's just a... I've heard it's a good ADV bike. They also make cruisers. Um, I think they did these to try and compete a little bit with Harley and Indian in America to appeal to some more people. And I think they did a good job. Like, uh, the, the Fury... They came out with when the chopper craze went through in the early 2000s. And it's all right. It's not a bad looking. They've got it in bright yellow here. And it's actually, I think it's a nice yellow. I don't know what it would look like in person, but online it looks pretty nice. The Phantoms, I think, look nice for cruisers. They're they're nice and they're, they're a little flat, but uh, I think they look nice. The Arrow's got a bigger fender on it, which I kind of like. And they've got the exposed wires. Uh, cables, I mean, wires, cables, same thing. And I, li- I like the way it looks. But the Rebels. Uh, Rebels are some of my favorite looking cruisers in Honda's lineup. They remind me of the uh, Iron 883 that Harley puts out with the uh, kind of angled up gas tank at the front. And I really like the fact that, especially on the 1100, I think it's easier to see. Maybe it's just the color. But uh, you can really see the frame on the bike. You can really see the frame and it really outlines the motor. So I really like the way the Rebels look. I really like the way the, the, the Rebel lineup. I think they did a nice job. 
Um, I'm going to pass over their standard section because they come up later. And we get into the super sports. Now, some of y'all might disagree with me, but uh, I'm not a fan of like really fared out sport bikes like these super sports. I just, I don't know if it's the fact that they cover the engine or if it's the fact that they cover the frame or the fact that the handlebars are, you know, angled down or I don't, I don't know what it is, but really fared out sport bikes. I'm not, I'm, I'm just not a personal fan, but I will say with the Hondas, uh, I'm looking at the Fireblade in particular, I really like the paint job on it. It's like all white, but then it's got like a blue and red streak going through. I think it's a sharp paint job, but I'm not a big fan of the really fared out sport bike look. It's just, it's not my style. I'm more of a cruiser kind of guy myself. Now, I will say, though, um, if you come down to their sports section, they have some that are, like, they've got less fairings on them, and I think those look really nice. Like, the CB650 in particular I'm looking at, or the CB1000R, excuse me, I think some of those look really nice, um, they're just with the less fairings, and I know that they're they're, they're going to perform more like a sport bike, but I think they just look nicer without, you're actually able to see the engine a little bit, so I like that. I like that a lot. Um... The cafe racers. They've got they've got this section here. It's called Neo Sports Cafe. I'm going to disagree. Um, none of these. They've got the CB1000R, CB650R, and CB300R listed under their Neo Sports Cafe uh, section. That's what they have them classified as. I'm going to 100% disagree. If I think of a cafe racer, um, I'm thinking more of something like a Triumph Bonneville, or um, I think that's the right one. If I look, let me look up right here. Yeah, right, it is Bonneville. Yeah, Triumph, the, the the Bonnie. If I think of a cafe racer, I'm thinking something much more like this, with the nice flat seat, um, flat seat on the back, handlebars pretty much level, you know, you know, foot pegs underneath you like that. If that's if I'm thinking cafe racer, I'm thinking something a lot closer to that. None of these match my dis- my personal description of a cafe racer. So. I'm going to disagree with their Neosports Cafe classification of these bikes, and I'm going to say that they did a better job when they classified them as a sport. Um, but that's just my opinion. Uh, you might disagree with me. You might not. You might agree. But that's just what I'm thinking. If you if you want to look, look up a picture. Uh, or go to Honda Power Sports and just look. But that's what I think. Now, their mini motos. They have a couple listed here. The Grom and the Navi. I never even heard of this monkey, but... It almost looks like a mini bike. Looks kind of like a cartoon motorcycle almost. It's got big fat tires, really short seat, really round gas tank, and an exhaust that is, I don't know, goofy looking. Just all these are goofy looking. The Grom, it's got like these big circles around screws on the plastic. I think if you took those out, it'd look a lot better, but uh, looks really weird. The Navi, I, I don't know. It just... It looks almost, they almost look like toys, is what I'm, I'm trying to, it's kind of what I'm thinking. They almost look like toys, especially the Navi here. The the rear, something about the rear wheel, to me, just doesn't look quite right. But uh, that's just, again, my opinion. If you want, look it up. And then dual sports, not going to lie, they all kind of just look like dirt bikes to me. So, but, you know, nothing wrong with that. I mean, they're all right looking for dirt bikes, but uh, not my favorite. And then scooters. Not a fan. I'm not a fan of scooters. Not a fan of um, mopeds. I just, I don't, I don't like them. I mean, it, are they more practical than like a standard motorcycle? For some people, maybe. 
uh, if, if they've got storage or something, but uh, I'm just, I'm not a fan of the way they look. Just, just not, not a fan, not a fan. So, but generally, overall, I think Honda does a nice job with their looks. Uh, my favorite's got to be, the favorites have got to come in in the cruiser segment or the uh, Africa Twin for my favorite Hondas as far as looks-wise. But uh, overall, I think they do a pretty nice job. And diversity, I mean, going down the list, I think, does a nice job just spelling it out. They've got stuff for, like, everything. They've got touring bikes. They've got cruiser bikes. They've got ADV bikes or, you know, dual sports. They make, you know, just straight... Uh, dirt bikes, they make scooters and mopeds, they make super sports, they make regular sport bikes. And if you're going off non-motorcycles, like Honda makes everything. They make boat motors, they make planes, they make cars, they make motorcycles, they make generators, they make lawnmowers, they make ATVs, like side-by-sides, they make those too. Like if you're going off, you know, not even just motorcycles, Honda has a huge range over what they make. And even in the motorcycles, they've, they've got most spots covered. Um, sports, super sports, you know, just like I said. So diversity, I think they get a big check mark from me at least. Now, my favorite motorcycle that Honda makes, um, again, I'm going to be just going off looks and what I've kind of read and heard. Um, I'm a cruiser guy. I think I mentioned that. So it's got to go to either the Phantom or the Rebel 1100. If we're going off of pure looks... I think I'm leaning towards the the 1100. If we're going off, you know, a mix of price looks, um, I got to go to the Phantom. Uh, Phantom is generally cheaper, which for me is a good thing. But uh, if we're going just straight off looks, I like the Rebel 1100. I've heard it handles good. I've heard it's got good power, you know. So, you know, it's, it's a toss up for me between the Phantom and the Rebel 1100, especially considering I haven't ridden either. It's a toss up at this point. So why would I personally want to have a Honda? I think I mentioned it earlier a little bit, but really for me it comes down to the fact that they are known to be reliable. Um, if I had a motorcycle, it would be personally funded. Um, I don't work full-time, obviously. I'm a high school student, so I'm kind of limited on cash. So having something that's not going to require you know constant maintenance is a big plus and the hondas are generally known to be very reliable um they're shaft driven like or at least the, some of them are shaft driven the phantom i know is shaft driven so you know you don't have to worry about chain maintenance you know cleaning lubing uh replacing uh, you don't even have to worry about like replacing a belt some for some i don't think belts wear out often but uh you don't have to worry about that um so like just things like that and again i Kind of mentioned cost, but they're rel- they're they're affordable, right? Like the Phantom, you can get for less than. And in some cases, you can get them less for like like three grand. You can get used, so easy to get into. They're good beginner bikes, um, reliable. Like I mentioned a couple of times, uh, cheap. You know, so those are all reasons I would want a Honda. And going back to the looks, I think they look all right. I'm not. I I don't see. I don't have a problem with how they look. I think they look fine. So that's kind of what I would want to have a Honda, but if we ask which Honda I would be most curious to try, like if you, if I had unlimited money and somebody was like, all right, here you go. Which Honda would you like to ride? The top of the list 
for me would go to the Fury. Um, now I've heard that choppers sometimes don't handle well, especially if they got really raked out front ends or like higher handlebars. They're hard to ride sometimes because you're like really reaching and you don't have a lot of control. I'd be very curious to see how a factory manufactured chopper or a mass produced chopper would handle. Um, I would think that it would handle better than some of those like really, really raked out custom ones. Excuse me. Uh, so that's kind of what I would think. But uh, so, yeah, that'd be number one on my list um, to try would be the Fury. I think I heard I think I might have been listening to another podcast and I might have heard someone say that it actually handled better than they expected. So it's part of the reason I would want to try. But also, I mean, it just it looks cool. Um, Fury, it's a cool sounding name. Um, so, yeah, I'd be curious to try. But if we're going off second in the list, uh, I would give it to the Africa Twin. Uh, I've done a little bit on a dirt bike, a um, little bit off-road. So I'd be curious to see how a bigger bike like that handles um, off-road. And like I said earlier, I think it looks cool for adventure for an adventure bike. I think it's one of the better-looking ones out there. So I would definitely be curious to give that one a try as well. Um, but which one would I get? Like, if I was actually thinking about it, which one would I get? Um, based on what I was talking about earlier, some of my comments about why I would want one, I think you might have picked up that I like the Phantom, or the Shadow, and the Rebel 1100. Now, if I had to get one, like, right now, it would probably go to the Shadow, simply because they are cheaper. Although, if I were, you know, money wasn't a thing, I would probably spring for the Rebel 1100. Um, simply because I think it looks just a touch better, and it's got great, it's got good performance, got, uh, heard it handles well, you know, so for, if price wasn't a thing and it came down to looks, I would probably spring for the Rebel 1100. Um, although if we're bringing in price, it would be the shadow. That's the one I would get simply because that's what I would be able to afford. Um, but yeah, so that's what I would get. Now, what do I think makes Honda, what, what is it that I think makes Honda a top motorcycle company? Well, I think there's a lot of things, but the one thing I would say that I, the one thing that I definitely think helps is their innovation, right? Now, obviously, you know, we went through the history section already, but they were the first ones to put out a four cylinder engine with the CB750. Uh, first one to put out the disc brakes on the CB750. Um, four stroke way back in 51 with the E-Type with the four stroke engine there. Uh, they innovating with the, there was one, I didn't put it in there, but they had, it was like a, I forget what they, I forget which model it was. I forget what exactly what they called it, but it was like a four cylinder V8 or something they put in or they modeled or they put out too. Um, I forget what year or anything it was, but they also were innovating with that, right? So it's like, they didn't just stop. Now you could argue that and you could say they did kind of stop because they, really, really liked the four-stroke motors and were very reluctant to go back to the two-strokes um, in the late 60s, I believe. They were reluctant to go back to the two-strokes, but they still did. You know, that's the point, is they still innovated and still went to win. And I mean, they even put out their own uh, develop research development company to help with that, right? And I'm going to venture off a little bit from the motorcycles here. Honda 
has definitely helped or definitely innovated in other places too, right? They've put out their cars. They were the first company to put out a car navigation system, actually. Uh, they've put out the jets. They've got, you know, they they put out a, a humanoid robot thing in the early 2000s too. So I think I think that's part of the reason that Honda is such a big company is that they 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 continue to innovate and they continue to develop new new motors, new designs, new electronics, uh, basically new technology is what it is. And they continue to innovate as the years go on. They don't just get stuck. And I think also it goes back to their diversity too. Like just like I just mentioned, they make like everything. Honda makes like everything. So I think having that diversity is also a reason that they are a top company, not just in motorcycling, but in other things as well. And I think part of it also goes back way back to their advertising way back in the day with the, uh, I mentioned it in the history section with the, uh, you meet the nicest people on a Honda that really, really helped Honda in America because it helped shift the American viewpoint on motorcycles and it made people accept them more. And I think their motorcycles are also, you know, generally their motorcycles are a bit cheaper than the other competition. So it, it makes it more, it makes it easier for people to get into a Honda motorcycle than, you know, let's say a comparable, you know, we'll, we'll just use Harley David for, Davidson for example. If we're going on, let's, let's look at the Rebel 1100. Like I said, it reminds me a lot of the Iron 883. The Rebel 1100 sells for 9400 as its base MSRP. If we look up a Harley Davidson uh, Iron 883, and we come up with the uh, base MSRP, I think I just saw it. It was 11250. So almost. So, so basically $3,000 more expensive to get a Harley-Davidson brand new, right? And they look very similar. Um, I think they handle probably, they're going to handle differently. They're going to have different powers, or the, the power is going to be distributed differently. And obviously if you get a Honda, you're not getting that Harley name. You're not getting the V-Twin Cruiser. But if you're looking from an affordability standpoint and from an ease of access standpoint, the Honda is the option that most people are going to go with because it's easier to get into, right? So I think that's also part of the reason that they're such a big motorcycling company and big company in general. So, yeah, that's my thoughts, some of my opinions on the brand. Uh, just as a general wrap-up, I like Hondas, right? I like the history that they've got. You know, they've got a lot of racing history. They've got a lot of development history, you know, um, CB750 was a huge one, uh, even way back with the with the E-Type, the, e, the Dream E, you know. I do find it funny, though, that a lot of these, or not, I wouldn't say funny, but interesting, that a lot of these motorcycle companies that we know, like Honda, Harley, um, I don't know about Indian, that's another, that's an upcoming episode, so uh, keep, stay tuned for that one, but uh, a lot of, like, some of these companies, they all started by just putting motors on bikes, right? So it's funny to think that Hondas went from making a motorized bicycle, right? So it was it was kind of like an electric bike today where it's just kind of like an assistant, but, you know, it's a, it was a motorized bicycle. They went from that to having motorcycles, like full-fledged motorcycles 
in every category from touring to, you know, itty bitty mini motorcycles, right? It's crazy. And they haven't even been around as long as some of these other ones. Like they've been around since 48, right? That's, we do the quick maths, 52, 72, 74 years, 74, 74 years. In 74 years, Honda has went from being a startup Japanese company to being the company that has the most motorcycle sales ever, with the Super Cub being the most highest selling mode of transportation ever. It doesn't, cars, trucks, motorcycles, anything. The Cub, the Super Cub is the highest selling ever. You know, I think, I think that's pretty cool. Um, it's a name that everyone knows for the cars, motorcycles, whatever. It's a name that everyone knows. And I, I think it's just generally a good brand, a good solid motorcycle that you can have. But uh, yeah, so that wraps up my thoughts, my opinions. Uh, let's move right on to the conclusion. We'll wrap up today's episode and you guys can go on your merry way. Before we wrap up today's episode, there are a few things that I would like to mention. The first is that while I was talking about some of Honda's bikes, I mentioned a Phantom numerous times, but what I really meant to say was the Shadow. The second is that I am still new to this whole podcasting thing, so if you could leave a rating and review, it would help me out immensely with knowing what you would like to hear. If you think that there is something I can improve, change, or add, please leave a review to let me know, and I will do my best to Make those changes, and it will help me out a lot with knowing what you want. Now, with those things out of the way, we can move right on in to the end of the episode. Today, I talked at length about Honda motorcycles. I talked about some of their history, and I also gave you some of my thoughts and opinions about their bikes, including what I thought about their looks, their diversity, as well as which Honda I would like to try. In the next episode, I'm going to be doing the same thing, but with Triumph instead. Now, As I mentioned earlier, if you think that there is anything I can do to improve, please leave a review to let me know. And with that, this has been Alex Bush, and thank you for listening to The Iron Steed.